Well, good morning. Happy New Year to those of you that are here. I know it's not, we had church last week and I want to pause. Uh, the first Sunday of the year was last week. I wasn't here, so I'm acting like it's the first, but it's not. But I want to pause real quick and, and give honor to uh, the speakers last week. Pastor Kevin preached at OKC and Pastor Michael at Edmond. Uh, just both of them did a, a phenomenal job. And I, I love that we have a house that's receptive to, to new faces in the pulpit. And we, both, we had two newcomers last week. Uh, pastor Michael is our, our youth pastor at the Edmond campus. And of course, Pastor Kevin brings amazing worship here every single weekend at OKC. But you didn't know he could preach too, did you? And so I'm, I'm glad that we uh, have a place that, that honors that and allows young people to come up and be, and be nourished and fed uh, in, in the pulpit. So thank you for that. Thank you for, the, for Kevin, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Michael that spoke last week. It's a big day. It's, it's kind of a new year. Uh, it's, it's also a new season, um, not, not winter. It's a new season for the church. Uh, if you're new to Victory Church, we don't do series. We do what we call seasons. And so we're going to start a new season today where we feel like the Lord is leading us as a church and, and uh, uh, begin the conversation of that in, in the Sunday after Christmas, the video sermon that me and Pastor Wade and Pastor Oscar did. And we'll kind of jump into that a little bit more. But it's also tomorrow, we're going to start 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so we're excited about that. Are you excited about that? You're like, I don't know. I kind of like food. But um, I really encourage you, this doesn't mean you have to starve yourself for 21 days. You just starve something physically, whether it's social media, whether it's your phone, whether it's TV. Do something to starve your physical body or your, or your physical mind so that you can feed your spirit, man. And just believe that the Lord's gonna give you guidance and, 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 and through that. So we'll be doing that. We'll also do devotionals. You'll hear more about that later. We'll be going through a devotional together. Uh, tonight, we're gonna have worship night. Okay, so we're excited about worship night. If, if What you tasted just a moment ago in worship, we're gonna just have a whole night of that tonight at 5.30. Uh, we were kind of in between at the nine o'clock today. I was literally checking my text messages up here while I preached before I gave the announcement because We've had a lot of sickness um, in the past week on staff and volunteers, and so we're trying to figure out if we could even do worship night in Edmond, but we can, so Edmond could be excited. Uh, they're going to have their own worship night at Edmond at 5.30, and we'll do one here at OKC at 5.30, so you want to be a part of that, I encourage you to do that. And then at the end of our prayer and fasting will be January the 30th, okay, January the 30th, we will end our prayer and fasting together as a church, that's a Sunday. And that evening, so we're going to start the 21 days of prayer and fasting with worship, and we're going to end the 21 days of prayer and fasting with worship. So we'll have another global worship night here at OKC on the 30th, and we're going to provide food. We're going to break our fast together. So we're going to have pizza and Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, we'll have men come to work the first worship night they've ever been to, just because B-dubs is going to be here. Um, we'll have celery sticks and stuff, too, for, for those that don't want that, but be a part of that. Put that on your calendars now. If you don't put that on your calendar now, you'll forget about it and you'll fill it with something else. So January the 30th, you want to do that. Okay, uh, I'm excited to preach today. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and flip over to uh, uh, Psalm 95. So you can start flipping there in your paper Bibles or on your Version Bible app. Um, let me first introduce the season that I feel like the Lord's leading our church into. It really started a couple of months ago. Um, I was sitting in a board of trustees meeting at the university, at the King's University. And before we kind of got started, one of the board members was telling stories about Jack Hayford. Pastor Jack Hayford is the founder of the King's University. And this particular gentleman traveled with Pastor Jack all over the world. 
And Pastor Jack was pretty frugal, and so a lot of times they would stay in the same hotel room together, and he was just telling all these funny stories about Pastor Jack. But one of the, one of the stories he told about, about Jack Hayford was that every morning he would wake up in the hotel room to the sound of Jack Hayford singing and worshiping. And, and he said he would open his eyes and he would roll over and look, and every morning Jack Hayford was on his knees on the side of his bed just, just thanking the Lord that he woke up. <laughs> and, and kind of praising the Lord. And he was just kind of saying, what, what an amazing way to start the day. He said he started the day every day, and he said these words, on bended knee. And I, and I just kind of leaned forward and wrote that in my notes, on bended knee. What an interesting concept. What an interesting phrase. And so I just began to kind of study the scriptures and meditate on that and pray over that over the next couple of months. And and so it, God really began to kind of lead me in this way in my own studies and in, in my own dealings of my relationship with the Lord in a posture of kneeling, a posture of submission, a posture of surrender. And then Christmas came about, and I'll kind of recap if you missed that message. When me and Pastor Wade and Pastor Oscar talked, we talked about Matthew two eleven, where it talks about uh, the wise men that says, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and, and his mother, and it says, and, they, and the wise men, it says that they bowed down and worshiped him. Some translations say that he, they fell down. Like, I don't know if they were just clumsy or what. They just stumbled over the threshold. I don't, they bowed down. And I talked about this in, in that message, but have you ever thought about this? Many of you have children or you've raised children. Uh, historians, theologians believe that Jesus at about the, this time was a, as a toddler. He was like 18 months old. 24 months old. And so these wise men, they were very, very, very well educated. They're very well known, and they were, they were very wealthy. You can tell by the gifts that they came with. Now imagine three grown men, highly educated, <laughs> with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, coming into your house, and your toddler is there drooling and playing with something, and they fall down and start worshiping this toddler. And so this posture of, of bowing and kneeling. And so that's actually going to be the title of our season. The season we're walking into is going to be called On Bended Knee. And what I want to challenge you with as we walk into 2022, we live right now in a day and age where the popular thing to do, the cultural thing to do, is to take a stand. Right? Take a stand for something. You need to stand for something. And I'm not saying that that's bad. We should stand for values. We should stand for those things as believers. I'm not attacking that at all. But what if the best way to take a stand for anything is to first bow, is to first kneel, is to first come to the Lord on bended knee in prayer, in surrender? In, in sacrifice to the Lord. And I love that it says that these wise men came and they bowed. And then it says they opened their treasures and gave gifts to the Lord. And what if instead of going into 2022, this is so, so the opposite of the sermon you hoped you would hear. Is this going to be a blessed year? It's going to be the best year of your life. And you're going to get more and more and more and more and more. What if, I believe for all that, but what if it was more like, God, what can I do for you this year? And I believe you're going to do things through me because he's a good God and he always does. But what can I open? What treasures can I open in my heart and say, Lord, I want to come to you this year on bended knee and here's, on bended knee, and here's what I have to offer you. And so I want to unpack that today and, and I want to do it by this, this, this passage in Psalm, Psalm 95. 
And so the best posture, the best way that I could think of going into 2022 on bended knee, and it's the title of my message today, I want us to, to understand and walk into 2022 with this phrase, okay? God wants his job back. I felt this so strongly several weeks ago. I made notes. I almost, and the creative team talked me out of it, I almost called this season God wants his job back but that probably wouldn't have been wise. So I was like, well, then it's a great sermon title. I just, I felt that with everything in me that many times we come to God with our plans, with our desires, with our hopes, with everything that we want God to do, almost as if we're God's advisors. <laughs> and God wants his job back. Okay, so let's go to this text. Let me show you what the word of God says about this. Psalm, Psalm chapter 95, verse one. It says, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depth, depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. And then watch verse six. Come, here's our response. Come. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did the day at Massah in the wilderness. We're going to talk about those two locations in a minute. Where your ancestors tested me. They tried me. They put God on trial. Though they had seen what I did, for 40 years I was angry with that generation, and I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known whose ways? My ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Today I want to unpack this chapter. This is an entire chapter, Psalm 95. It's one of those chapters in Psalm that we don't really know who the author is, but I can tell you real quick, the author is trying to illustrate and get through to us that God is qualified for his job. And if we try to mingle in God's job description, we will mess it up. And that God simply wants us to know that it, we can approach him on bended knee. And by approaching him on bended knee, what we are saying is, God, you have the job back. You can do this job better than I can. And so I want to come into this situation, this scenario, this predicament on bended knee with giving God his job back. And so I want to start, I want to unpack this whole chapter. Don't panic on me. I have a clock and I'll hit it. Um, but I want to unpack this whole chapter and walk away with a couple of points on how do we do this. And this isn't going to be the deepest, most profound message Okay, but it's a reminder. Sometimes we don't need new revelation. We just need to carry out the revelations that we already know, the truths that we already know. And this is a great reminder as we start a new year to enter into this new year on bended knee, giving God his job back. So I want to start not at the beginning in verse 1. I actually want to start towards the end, and here's why. Towards the end of this chapter, there's a command. And I think it's actually smarter to start with a command than a suggestion. If God, the creator of the universe, is commanding something, we should probably listen to that. So most of this chapter is come, let us. Come, let us worship. Come, let us bow down. But in verse 8, there's actually a command. In verse 8, it says this, Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, 
as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had not seen what I did. So he comes first off and he says, the result of all of this, if you try to do God's job, what will end up happening is you, you will actually become hard-hearted because you will start to impede your opinions into God's master plan. And when your plans don't succeed, the tendency of human beings is that we get hurt, we get disappointed, we get confused, we get frustrated. So point number one, if you're taking notes, I, this is my encouragement to you as we go into 2022. The first thing we must do to give God his job back is to review job descriptions. Let's go back and review job descriptions because in this world, God has a job and you have a job. And when we mix those up is when we get hard-hearted and we get frustrated and many people walk away from their faith altogether. So I found this study, uh, it's a new study that was done by a, a, an organization called Gartner, and they found, this, is, this was staggering to me, they found that only 13% of employers enjoy their job. 13%, like if you own a business, you should lean up. 13% uh, of people that are, that are gainfully employed are happy with their job. And then the study went on to say, that the number one reason that people are dissatisfied in their job is because of unmet expectations. They expected something and that expectation didn't happen. And the number one thing that any human resources department or any human resources director would tell you is if that's the case, we have one thing and one thing only to do. We need to go to the file cabinet, pull out their job description and read their job description. Because in the job description are all of the expectations. And all of the things that qualify or don't qualify us for, for what we're trying to accomplish uh, in this world. So what we must understand is what is my job and what is God's job? I know that sounds so simple and it's, it's way easier to preach about than to actually figure that out on paper. But we must understand what's the difference. And so I want to go back to this because the psalmist identified the person in this text as becoming hard-hearted. And then it points the hard-hearted person back to Meribah and Massah. So we need to understand what happened there so that we can learn from this experience. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Exodus chapter 17. So this account of Meribah and Massah is, is in two places. It's in Numbers chapter 20, but it's also in Exodus chapter 17. You can read Numbers chapter 20 later. We're going to look at, at Exodus 17. If you skip all the way down to verse 7, I'll show you in verse 7 where it's mentioned. So in verse 7, it says, And he called the place Massah, which, which, by the way, means testing. Okay, keep that in mind. So Massah means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling. So testing and quarreling. This is the place where you tested me and you quarreled with one another. And because you tested me, and because the testing and your disappointment and your unmet expectations caused you to complain and bicker, because of those two things, you have become hard-hearted. Okay? So it says... And then it tells us why. It says, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? They questioned the Lord. Uh, so let's go to verse 1. Verse 1 of that same chapter says, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So... They quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. So then Moses asks them two questions. 
And these are the two questions I want us to unpack for just a second. He says, why do you quarrel with me? And why do you put the Lord to the test? Okay, because of those two things, because you're putting the Lord to the test and because you're quarreling um, among men, you have become hard-hearted. And in the Psalm 95, it is a command, do not become hard-hearted. Okay, so let's look at the two things. One, they quarreled. They quarreled with men or they quarreled with one another. This, this word quarreled in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word reeb, and it means to complain, to contend against, to debate, to conduct a case. This is when we fail to bend our knee to the Lord, when we become stiff-necked. Okay? When, and I'm going to skirt past this one real quick because I'm getting a lot of dirty looks. Okay? The second thing is, let me, let me just say this first, okay? You know, in, in the court of law, sometimes when there's lawsuits, they try to settle out of court. Before we're going to take this to the court, let's the courts decide. And they go through something called mediation. Mediation means there's going to be this guy that comes in that tries to bring a medium, a happy medium, a mediation. Do you agree to this? Do you agree to this? What I feel like the Lord is saying to me, to us through the scripture, to all of us is God is saying, I don't need you to be a mediator for me. I don't need you to hop into the system, into the world and the things that are in my job description as the Lord and give the Lord advice on how he should rule the earth. Okay, let's keep going. Nobody likes that one. The second thing, I find this one interesting, they tested their God. Now, think about what this means, okay? You tested your God. This is the equivalent of the student giving a test to the teacher. You know, it's the teacher that comes in and says, okay, I've been teaching you on this for many, many weeks, and today we're going to have a test about it. And it'll be at the student standing up and going, uh-uh, today we're going to test you. And, and, and God is like, listen, you tested me. You tested me on this. I, I'm the teacher. You're the student. I don't need you to test me on the things of the world that I created and the, that I am the master of. And this, psalm, this passage in Psalm, verse 9, this is the part that stuck out to me. He, he's, talk, he's referring to the ancestors, those in the wilderness. He says, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me. He's saying they put me on trial. They put God on trial. Then it says this, though they had seen what I did. So he's saying, it'd be one thing if they didn't know who I was, they'd never seen me perform a miracle. You know, I could understand they're going to put me on trial and test me and see if I'm, but these people just before this had seen the waters part. And now you're thirsty? And, and I, I controlled the waters enough to where I've stood on the banks of the Red Sea, and it is not a short distance. It's a long distance, and it is not a short depth. It is a deep, deep, deep sea. And he said, I, I split this, and you walked across on dry ground, not mud. I didn't want to get your sandals dirty, so I even gave you dry ground. You walked across. You're looking to the right and to the left, and there's like little squid waving at you and, and fish waving at you. And you saw how I control the waters, and now you're a little thirsty, and you're testing me? So much so that you ask the question to Moses, has the Lord abandoned us or not? And so what happened was the same thing that happens with us. It's, history repeats itself over and over again. Unmet expectations lead to a stubborning of our heart. And the Lord referred to the Israelites over and over and over again as stiff-necked people. You're stiff-necked. Stubborn. You're stubborn people. And I don't know about you, but I'm stubborn. 
Maybe y'all aren't, and that's cool. Y'all can just listen to your preacher confess stubbornness to you. But I'm stubborn, and sometimes I got a plan, and I think it's the right plan. And when God doesn't do my plan, I, I can become hard-hearted. I can become frustrated. I can become impatient. I can start to meddle in someone else's job description, thinking that I am qualified to do God's job. And I'm here today to tell you that God told me so clearly for me and for you, God wants his job back. He wants his job back. Will we bend our knee to the Lord? The Israelites were convinced that God couldn't quench their thirst, that he couldn't do it. And it, it would be like the clay looking up at the potter and instructing the potter how to form the clay. Okay, let's keep going. That wasn't fun. So if, if the employees, that's us, are frustrated at our jobs, if we're frustrated in life, we need to go back to the job description. What's our job? As a Christian, as a human being, what's my job? Well, let's, let's look at, at our job description. Now, the one that I found in Scripture that I think makes it pretty clear, it's really short. <laughs> I think it's because God knew we wouldn't be able to handle much, so he just gave us here, I'll do all of this, this is all I need you to do. If you'll just do this, I'll take care of everything else, okay? It's in Matthew chapter 22. Now watch, in verse 35, it says, one of them, an expert in the law, somebody who wanted to kind of consult God, tell God how to do his job, tested him with this question. The teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What's my job? What's my job description? What's the most important thing I can do? And Jesus answered and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And Jesus is like, I'm going to give you the second. You didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give you the second one too. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. So God's got this whole job description, like keep all the stars in the sky, make the world turn, make everything happen. He's the, he's, you know, the government rests on his shoulders. And he looks at us and says, I just need you to do one little thing, all right? Love God and love people. Love God and love people. What do you mean by love God? I want you to hear what the Lord says, believe what the Lord says, and obey what the Lord says. Okay? Hear, believe, obey. Got it? That's your job. Now, when it comes to people, love them like you love yourself because you're pretty good at loving yourself. We don't, we don't even need that in our job description. We do that naturally. He's like, just love people. Now, what I notice about both of these job descriptions, both of these job descriptions can be completely 100% fulfilled on bended knee. Right on. Amen. I can love God. In, in fact, I must love God on bended knee. Submitted surrendered. One of the best prayers we can ever learn to pray every day is thy will be done. Amen. Thy will be done. I've also noticed that the best way that I can love people is by serving people. You serve people with the posture of a bended knee. This is our job description. This is what God calls us to do. And it's the shortest job description ever written. And it might be the hardest job description ever written right? So let's keep going. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to check, we're going to review our job descriptions. The second thing we're going to do, we should do this, we should review resumes. If we're trying to pick the right person for the job, whether it's healing your marriage or fixing your finances or, or 
getting into your calling and your career or your promotion or whatever it is you're believing God for, if we're going to pick the person who's most qualified to help this thing happen, we should go and look at resumes. Okay, so let's look at God's resume for just a second. In this text, we see kind of a, a form of his resume. Verse 1, it says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud uh, to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Here's why. Verse 3. This is why, this is why you should do that. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. What did you do today? <laughs> he made it, and his hand formed the dry land. So that's pretty impressive. You know, we can, we can kind of create things. I would say that you don't really create. You can be creative, but you are not a creator. I can, I can create a table. I, really, I can't, but somebody could. Somebody could create a table, but they must have a resource, a tree, to create something from. God is the only person that on his resume is able to create something out of nothing. He just spoke. So he's the only one who's able. And I know this is not new news to anybody, but I just came to remind you of some stuff. We just need to review the resume, review, review the job description, and then take all of this information and look back at our own lives and say, okay, God, you're, you're good. You're good. I think I'm just going to watch you work. I think I'm just going to see what you can do. So God has this ability. God can create something. Think about it this way. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, God can create something out of nothing, but he can also create something out of something because he formed Eve with the rib from Adam. It's, it's almost like he wanted to show us all, hey, I can just speak and something happen, but I, I can also use something from you or from something else and I can pull from it to create something too. My resume doesn't have that on it. So Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 is another kind of a resume review for us. It says, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. So not only can he do anything, he doesn't get tired doing it. Even if I could do some of those things, I would grow weary. It says he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, you know what you must have in order to wait? Surrender. You cannot wait in a posture of taking a stand. You wait in a posture of a bent knee. Submission. God, thy will be done, not my will, and therefore I'm going to wait. And here's what it tells what happens when we bend our knee. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, I, this, this passage I, I read just this morning, I don't have it for a notes, but I kind of had this comical conversation in my head with the Lord. Colossians 1.17 says, That God is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Right? So, so it's saying that God was before everything, and then everything that came after God is held together by God. And so just for fun, I took out God's name and I put my name in there, like I was trying to build my resume. And, and it said, 
And that John was before all things, and in John, all things were held together. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're in big trouble. <laughs> we're all in really, really, really big trouble if all things are held together by John. But and it's, so, it's so preposterous that it's comical when I even say that. We're like, that's the most stupid thing ever. But how do we live our lives sometimes? Through this guilt where, well, if I don't do this, then it's not going to happen. And if I, don't, if I don't work 17 hours a week, 17 hours a day on my business, then my business is going to fail. And I'm just here to tell you, God wants his job back. And God can do more with your business than you could do in a lifetime. He can do it in a moment. If we'll just begin to give God the things back that belong to him. So let's, I mean, let's take a look at our resumes. I, I kind of did this as an exercise. It didn't take me very long. But I, I attempted, or I had a, a blinking cursor on my computer, and I was going to type out things that I have accomplished without God. It was a very short exercise. It's a very, very short exercise. There is nothing, nothing, so when you, when you really unpack this and go down to the core of it, it becomes so preposterous that we would ever try to consult God on his plans for our life. Um, I've, I've, I've told this before, but there's this whole story of, a, of an old preacher who was preaching, and he read this psalm, I think it's Psalm 105, and it says that um, God created us, and he knows us. I'm paraphrasing. He says he knows our frame. He knows our build. He knows what we were built up. And then it says, and we know, and he knows that we are but dust. We're just made from dust. We're just but dust. And this little boy leaned over to his mom and said, hey, mom, what's but dust? <laughs> and we go, oh, can we be really honest? Like, we're but dust. Like, we don't even know... Maybe that at the top of my resume would just say John Chastine, title, butt dust. I mean, <laughs> what else can I write on there? Like, if I take God out of the equation, that pretty much sums up, add a T to butt, and that pretty much sums up what, what I can create, butt dust. <laughs> when we compare resumes, it, it's not a difficult task. I love this quote by Martin Luther. He said, God made a man out of nothing. And as long as we are nothing, he can make something out of us. If we approach the Lord, I, I, I think it could be the most powerful lead into a year that you've ever had. If we would just lead into 2022 and, and not fighting the Lord and arguing with the Lord and quarreling with men and forcing and striving and working and killing ourselves. If we just enter 2022 like, God, thy will be done. I'm just going to sit back and give you your job back and say, God, what do you want this to look like? What do you want my marriage to look like? What do you want my business to look like? What do you want my career to look like? I'm on bended knee, Lord. What would it look like? Verse 6 says this. Verse 6 says, come, let us bow down in worship let us kneel before the lord our maker for he is our god and we are the people of his pasture point number three if you're right we're taking notes here is our only reasonable response to 2022 spend your knee <laughs> let's just go into 2022 like that it's my only rational response when i really look at the job description and i when i really take a good hard look at the re, at the resumes of mine versus god I would be a fool not to just bend my knee and trust the Lord to know that his ways are better than my ways. Psalm 95, I love verse 7. 
we should love verse 7 because verse 7 tells us our place. It says, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Like he is our shepherd, he is our father. We are the children of the most loving father ever. That's our place. And we talked a lot about in the last season about orphan, orphan hearts. Imagine if we just came into 2022 like, man, I got a good dad. Dad's going to take care of me, and I trust my dad. Dad's got good stuff in store for me, and so I'm just going to give dad his job back and trust that dad is going to do amazing things in my life. And we can bend our knee because we know that as sheep, we have a really good shepherd. But by bending my knee, bending my knee is illustrating faith. I mean, I could illustrate faith in something if through an act of bended knee. Instead of hustling and bustling and worrying and running and running and running, and if I give God his job back and just sit back, this in and of itself is an illustration of faith. What I'm saying is, God, you're more qualified. It's your job in the first place. And whatever it is that you want to work out in this situation, I'm good. That's an act of faith. It's showing God that we trust him in this process. I said it before, I'll say it again. One of the biggest prayers, one of the shortest and most powerful prayers we should learn over the coming weeks as we pray and fast is thy will be done. Thy will be done, Lord. I, I, I don't think it's bad. And in fact, I think you should. You should pray. You should throw all of your dreams and ambitions and desires to the Lord. Proverbs 16.9 says, man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So what it says is plan your ways. Do it. Man, plan all your ways that you want to plan. Come and lay them at the feet of Jesus and then bend down and say, God, but I, I just want what you want. This is what I think, but thy will be done, Lord, not my will be done. I, I just want to do what, what you think I'm called to do. Because the truth of the matter is, this is kind of a blunt statement, but I'll say it anyways. Whether you want it to happen or not, God will have his way. <laughs> you can fight it if you want to but the bible says that every knee will bow so whether you bow on the front end or the back end you will bow philip philippians 2 verse 8 it says being found in appearance as man now watch this he being jesus he humbled himself jesus came to this earth in a posture of bended knee. Nobody humbled him. He humbled himself. Nobody had to make him do that. He understood his job and he understood his father's job and he humbled himself to his father. And he put on flesh and came, came to the earth for us. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason, watch verse 9, because he humbled himself, because he was on bended knee, it says that his Father in heaven highly exalted him. Who would have thought that in order to become exalted, I must bow? He says, he exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I don't know where you're at today, but I pray, this is just the introductory message of many messages to come about this idea of going into the year on bended knee. My prayer for you is that you would begin to meditate on this the way, the same way that the Lord put it in my heart 
It's a seed. All I'm doing today is giving you a seed, and what you do with it is up to you. Is the seed planted in good soil, and will it sprout and bring a harvest? Or will the enemy come and snatch it up, or will you get distracted and they get thrown in amongst the weeds or the rocks? It's a seed that I want to plant in your heart to just tell you, and I felt it so clearly, to just come and almost like it was just an assignment to say God wants his job back. And he is way more qualified than you. But as long as you're holding on to it, you won't get to experience all that he has to offer you. So I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe, maybe you are exhausted from just trying to be a promoter of something. You've tried to build a business. You've tried to build a brand. You've tried to build whatever it is for yourself, for others. For, you're, you're just in a building season. I'm not saying you stop doing all those things. I am saying, though, that you say, God, what, do you, what is your will for me? I believe you can do more than I could ever accomplish on my own. So maybe, maybe for you it's, it's, it's in that realm. Maybe for you it's your spouse. Maybe you're trying to change your spouse. <laughs> Good luck with that. Maybe you're trying to raise teenagers. Can I get an amen on that one? Somebody give me a loud amen. Come on, Jesus, we need some help. I can't change my teenager's heart, but the Holy Spirit can. I need need my teenagers to have an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So so there's there's, there's gotta be some area of your life that something's resonating in you and, and God is tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, I'll have that back if you don't mind you don't mind, I'd like to see what I can do with that. Good job. Good try. Good try. Would you like to see what I can do with it? Whatever this sermon is resonating in your heart, I pray that you would lean into it. Your worry and your anxiety is not being productive. It's not being productive. If you're worried about something, if you're anxious about something, that's a pretty good indicator that you're operating in a job description that doesn't belong to you. So, so what does it look like? Okay, so we'll talk about this over the coming weeks, but it may be a season of prayer for you. Maybe, maybe bended knee is literally like get on your knees and start praying. Maybe you've kind of lost your passion for prayer. Maybe you, you, you don't pray a whole lot anymore other than a passing, God help me, I'd appreciate it. It's like a vending machine prayer. Maybe God's calling you into a season of prayer, and I believe God's calling our church into a season of prayer. You notice when Jesus came and in, in started flipping over tables in the synagogue, he said, my house will be a house of prayer. He could have used any word to describe his, his house. He used the word prayer. Uh, maybe maybe it, it really is just a season of surrender. Maybe God is saying to you, I need you to bend the knee of your heart. Bend, come to me on bend the knee and surrender that worry to me. Surrender that anxiousness to me. Surrender that healing to me. Maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe for some of you, maybe God is walking you into a season of true, like, kneeling on your knee and showing your weakness. Like, some of you are exhausted. You're running on fumes. But if somebody asks you how you're doing, you're like, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm good. And everyone's like, no, you're not. Everyone knows it. Just stop. Just, will you bend your knee and say, I'm exhausted? And let the Lord renew your strength. Maybe for you, it's maybe people fall to their knees in weakness. And maybe you need to fall to your knees before the Lord in this season and say, God, I'm just tired. I'm weak. I'm exhausted. I don't know what this looks like for you. And you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what does this mean to me? 
And what is the Lord trying to say uh, in me? But if you're a part of this house, I can tell you this word is for you because this is a word for our house. And so God, what are you saying to us in this season? That's what I want to challenge you with. Um, will you stand to your feet with me for just a second? I want to take just a moment and go back into worship. We have time. We budgeted for this. I want to go back into the song that we closed with because what you need to know, here, here's the hesitancy in taking a knee. I talk to people about this all the time, and here's, here's what we say back to God. Well, if I don't do it, it won't happen. You know? Um, I have a couple examples. I'll be careful how I use them, but I was talking to somebody the other day on, on my staff at the university and talking about rest and all those sort of things, and it was, well, if I don't do it, it won't happen. And I said, and what would happen if that happened? Are we still okay? Yeah. So, so what, I want, what, I wanna, what I'm trying to encourage you with is as we go back into the song, even in this song, what you're saying is Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I stand. And when everything around me is shaken, I'm glad that I got my faith in Jesus. And he's never failed before. He didn't fail Abraham. He didn't fail Isaac. He didn't fail Jacob. And on down the lineage we go. Generation after generation after generation, he has not failed yet. He has not failed you in one season of your life now. And guess what? He won't. So he's trustworthy of you giving his job back. So maybe this song for you is just a process of saying, God, I give this back to you. I give this back to you. And I trust that you won't fail me. And I know, in fact, I know that you won't fail me. And he won't. Okay, so Father, we just come before you right now. Come on, Edmund, OKC, can you just put your hands out in a posture of receiving? In fact, if you don't mind, take your hands from a posture of receiving and flip them over the other way in a posture of giving. And what we say, God, in this posture is we give you your job back. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking that we were capable and qualified to do the things that we've been trying to do. And so, God, what we say in this moment is you are more than enough. Ephesians 3 says that you are more than enough. You can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we ever hoped or dreamed or imagined. And so we give you your job back and we trust you and we know that by faith you won't fail. Speak to us, Lord, over the next coming weeks and months. We even say convict us, Lord, when we start entering into your job and doing things that only you can do and only you are qualified to do. We love you, we thank you for it, and we lift our voices in worship for the next few moments in an act of surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.